Welcome to Mammal Talk, the companion podcast for the Blood Bowl Mid-Atlantic Mauling League. In this episode, we're talking about the Spike Magazine Trophy, week number two. Week two in the Spike Magazine Trophy just wrapped up. It was a fun week in the league. The Spike Magazine Trophy, of course, is the second of three open competitions in the Mid-Atlantic Mauling League season. Week two is week two of five. This competition is a Swiss competition. There are five matches, four of which get streamed each week. And uh, these were fun. We have a lot of fun teams in the competition this year. We have a Goblin team. We have Underworld team. We have Wood Elves. Everybody loves Wood Elves, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, lots of fun matchups to, to talk about. Really fun week to position these teams very interestingly for week three. So without further ado, why don't we get into the games? first game of the week would be play it by Nuffle versus Tracksuit Mafia. This is Clypheus versus Merrick. Goblins versus Chaos. Clypheus, the current reigning Chaos Cup champion, he won this year's Chaos Cup versus Merrick, last year's Chaos Cup champion, and he has something to prove with this Chaos team. Clypheus is playing a Goblin team here in the second competition of the season. I think Goblins are terrible. <laughs> I think they're super fun to play. I think they're a bad team. That is not to take away from anyone who's ever lost to a goblin team. Every team in Blood Bowl, every when I say team, I mean every race, every race has a viable strategy. That means every team are going to win games. So when I say goblins are terrible, if you lose to goblins, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You you will lose sometimes. But it's just that their strategy is really difficult to pull off. Clypheus is an excellent coach, though. Uh, he's very good at not only identifying viable strategies for teams, but also converting them into his play style. Clypheus is known to be a field control, a pitch control coach. He likes to exert tackle zones in advantageous positions and control the pitch in such a way that he can force the opposing formation either where he wants them to be for blocks or to push him out of the way when he's on offense. And he does this very, very effectively. You'll see him try to do this with this goblin team as well. It's a lot more dif difficult to pull off because there's, there's so few strength on the pitch. All these goblins have a strength of two, but he will use the secret weapons to his advantage. And that's what goblins are all about. They're all about shenanigans. They have access to lots of secret weapons. They have access to cheap bribes. And so, and their linemen, the goblins themselves, are so cheap. You'll see secret weapons on the pitch. You'll see lots of fouls. And Clypheus does exactly that in these matchups. Merrick, on the other hand, with Tracksuit Mafia, he's still an early TV coach. He's approaching mid-TV, and he might be bumping him to a little bit of an issue here. A chaos coach is really looking for those three skills. When we talk about the LRB6, which is the rule book that we are using in the league, those three skills are claw, or claws, mighty blow, and piling on. When you get those three skills on a player, that player can kill people. And that's what you're looking to do with this cast team because they can pick up those skills very easily. However, in order to do that, at the lower TVs, 
when a team is young and fresh, you've really got to focus on getting SPP on those players, right? So if you have, say, claws on two players, they're level two, you want to make sure those players are getting the SPP so you can pick up Mighty Blow as well. Merrick has been spreading out his SPP a little bit. That's fine for many other teams in Blood Bowl, but it might pose a little bit of a problem going forward here unless he can focus down quickly and start really piling on the SPP on these key players so he can get that, that triple, that trifecta of skills that will make him so devastating. That is really what makes Chaos such a devastating kill team. As this game would start, Play It By Nuffle will be on offense. They will have both a Fnatic and a Looney on the pitch in this game. They'll start the game off with both of them on the pitch on turn one. The Fnatic would cause an injury and he'd have a one-man player advantage to start this game. Tracksuit Mafia would apply pressure toward the ball. The ball was not picked up at the end of turn one. They'd apply some pressure with two Beastmen crossing the line of scrimmage. That pulls two beastmen off of the line, meaning two beastmen are at risk of being behind the ball. But Merrick is also a very good coach. He felt that that pressure was worth it to force Clypheus to make decisions. He doesn't want to give Clypheus an opportunity to set up the pitch control that he prefers. So he pulls two beastmen downfield, or upfield as it were, to apply pressure on the ball and force Clypheus to make decisions on his upcoming turn. Play it by Nuffle would cage up on their own 10-yard line by turn two. On Tracksuit Mafia's turn two, they would set up a two-die blitz on the troll. The troll's the big guy for Play it by Nuffle. At the corner of the cage, they'd get a stun. This is a great stun. It's always risky to go after big guys. You have to commit so many players to the big guys, and all things being equal, of course. And then they typically have high armor. So if, if you're not just looking for the knockdown, if you want to take them out of a drive... That's always a little bit risky. Merrick took the blitz and it worked out here. However, on turn three, Play It By Nuffle would use their Looney to blitz and they get a KO on a Beastman Journeyman. The Looney, of course, has the Chainsaw. Chainsaw gives you a plus three on armor rolls and doesn't require a block. So he's going to use this to his advantage all throughout this game. It is a secret weapon. That means it gets called off the pitch, but he has a number of bribes that he took into this game. He'll need to take bribes every single game if he wants these key players, these secret weapons, to remain on the pitch. He'll end up resetting his cage after he gets that two-man player advantage on his own four-yard line and, again, does a great job of shifting Tracksuit Mafia's entire team to the left of the cage. You see that field control in action. On... Turn three for Tracksuit Mafia, Merrick realizes what's happening here and does a great job of trying to reset the defense to be in front of the cage while still pressuring the rear of that cage. He doesn't want that to be a lost opportunity. He pulls one of the two Beastmen back and moves another one in to take the Blitz on the back of the cage. Play it by Nuffle would respond by taking a one-die unskilled Blitz on said Beastman. He'd get a both-down result. He'd take it and he'd get KO'd for his trouble. The ball carrier would consequently not get to move that turn. That would be turn four. At the start of the second quarter, Tracksuit Mafia would dodge a Beastman. That's a three-plus dodge to take a two-die blitz on the ball carrier. He'd only get a push. He wanted more out of it, so he spent the team reroll and got double pals. That worked out fantastically. He would end the turn 
with a both down result against the troll, but the troll got KO'd on that result, so that ended up being a really good trade for American Tracksuit Mafia. Turn five back to play it by Nuffle, and the Looney would blitz yet again, and this time injure a level two Beastman. He'd smash his collarbone. The Apothecary would be spent, but would fail at his job. It's a minus one strength to that level two Beastman. He will probably be sacked, and this is a big blow to Tracksuit Mafia, again, when they're trying to get that trifecta of skills. At the start of turn six, both teams would be jockeying for the ball. Play it by Nuffle would decide to try a 50-50 pickup with the Pogoer. They'd fail the pickup. They'd spend the TRR. They would fail again. That would be a turnover. Tracksuit Mafia would react by a GFI Blitz to start their turn. They'd have to spend their final TRR on that GFI Blitz. They would get the knockdown, and they would push the Goblin onto the ball. Not only would they push the knockdown player onto the ball, the ball would scatter into the hands of the Blitzer, and the Blitzer had really good protection as he moved away. Most of Play It by Nuffle would be prone by the end of the turn. On turn seven, Tracksuit Mafia would blitz with the ball carrier. He would kill the opposing goblin and then run to the Play It by Nuffle 16 yard line on the final turn of the game. Play It by Nuffle would desperately move a goblin to mark the ball carrier. He would eat a two die block coming back of course. He tried to blitz with the loony, but failed the dodge. Tracksuit Mafia would easily score at the end of the half. They'd be up one to zero. At the start of the next drive, Play It By Nuffle would let the Fanatic get called off the pitch, and they would spend a bribe to keep that Looney on the pitch. You can see Clypheus knows who his strongest player is. It is absolutely that Looney. He wants to keep him into the game as long as possible. Tracksuit Mafia will be on offense in the second half. It would be a short kick by Play It By Nuffle. Neither team had a kicker. Tracksuit Mafia would be able to move on the kickoff event to catch the ball. They didn't need to roll for it on their turn. That would allow them to run this cage to the play by Nuffle six yard line in the right wide zone. On turn nine, play by Nuffle would shift to the right to apply pressure to the cage. He'd use the loony again to blitz and gets a good stun on the front corner of the cage. However, he would take a desperate two die uphill block on the left side of the line and got knocked down for his trouble. On turn 10, Merrick has really good presence of mind as he pulls his ball carrier out of the cage and retreats to center pitch. He says, you know what? You've Pulled all your players over in the right wide zone. I've committed to the right wide zone, which means you can collapse your defense. It can be all that much more strong. Both your trolls are over here. I don't want to mess with that. I'll take a step back. I'll regroup at center pitch. Really good tactics here by Merrick to know when it's too risky and you need to reset. And due to that, on the following turn, Tracksuit Mafia would... Hand off to a Beastman that was a 50-50 handoff, a 4-plus, and run down a diagonal hole to the Play It By Nuffle 12-yard line. The Beastman would have no protection, however, and Play It By Nuffle on their follow-up turn would get a 2-die blitz and get the knockdown. On turn 12, Tracksuit Mafia would blitz with the downed ball carrier and then pick the ball right back up. He'd set up a half cage in the left wide zone, but it was one space off the sideline. Very gutsy move here. But he recognized that Play It By Nuffle didn't want to pull anyone over into that sideline. It'd be a little too risky. On turn 13, Tracksuit Mafia would take a two-die blitz with the journeyman to free the ball carrier. Yikes, they could have taken the blitz with the ball carrier. Decided he wanted to spin the roll. <laughs> but the ball carrier would run to the Play It By Nuffle 20-yard line. He'd still have no protection. 
play it by Nuffle would have an unfortunate turn 13. They would spend their blitz on the troll. The troll would fail the really stupid roll. On the very next action, it would be a block. Roll double skulls, no TRRs left. That would allow Tracksuit Mafia to easily score two to zero. Final drive of the game would be turn 14 for Play It By Nuffle. They'd spend their final bribe to keep the loony on the pitch. Very good, very good decision here by Clavius. The loony would end up causing an injury, not a permanent injury, but that's why you want to keep that loony on the pitch. He can kill players. On the final turn of the game, Play It By Nuffle had an opportunity to score. Clavius decided that taking a block was more advantageous than getting the SPP on the score could have leapt with the loony. The loony has very long legs and has leap. Decided to take the block instead. Decided that was a better strategy. Failed the block. Game would end two to zero. Tracksuit Mafia would remain undefeated in this competition. Game two of the week would be a reptile dysfunction at a minor matter. Nick Satan versus Artificial Bunny. Lizard Men versus Underworld Denizens. Underworld historically a difficult team to get started their strength is in the fact that they have access to mutations but they've got to pick up the spp first in order to get those skills on their players lizardman teams of course a very very solid team lots of strength with those sauruses their strength of four the skinks are stunty and have dodge pretty solid team and they would be on offense to start this game a minor matter would have a deficit in tv They'd pick up inducement money and pick up Glart Smashrip as a star player. That's a Skaven star player. They have block, claw, and a strength of four. He also picked up a loony on the roster. A reptile dysfunction would start this game with two TRRs to the three team rerolls for a minor matter. But on the kickoff event table, brilliant coaching would save the day. Three TRRs apiece. On turn one, to start this game right, a minor matter would get a KO against Asaris with that star player, with Glart. That would be a one-man player advantage to a minor matter. On turn two, a reptile dysfunction gets called off with the sneaky get, but gets a stun. Unfortunately, he wanted more out of that sneaky get. Sneaky get means that if the foul doesn't succeed, you don't get caught off the pitch. Didn't work out in this case. And that would result in a two-man player advantage for a minor matter. Not only that, but when you get called off for a foul, you're out for the game as opposed to, say, a KO. On turn four, a risky play for a minor matter. The Crocs, the big guy, would fail their boneheaded roll. The team reroll would be spent. Then you have to pass the loner check. The loner check would succeed, but then the Crocs would only get a push out of it. He'd end up moving laterally to set up a half cage in the left wide zone, but it would be really shallow. It would be really close to center pitch. A minor matter would be able to cover, and they'd blitz the Saurus on the front corner of the cage with Glart. They'd get the knockdown and mark the ball carrier. The Looney would attempt to chainsaw someone, but the chainsaw would kick back. The chainsaw requires a D6 roll. On a 1, it kicks back and hits the wielder of the chainsaw instead. That's what happened here. Artificial Bunny would spend the TRR here, but failed the loner roll. Thankfully... The loony did not have its armor broken. It would stay on the pitch. In turn five, a reptile dysfunction would blitz with the crocs to reposition down pitch. Moves a lone skink to the 16-yard line. A minor matter would be able to send a Skaven Blitzer over to GFI Blitz. He'd have to spend the TRR, but he'd get the pal. A reptile dysfunction was banking on that dodge skill to help him. Didn't happen this time. 
the turn would end with a minor matter surfing a Saurus, gets a KO out of it, then fouled the previous skink ball carrier. This was a great decision by Artificial Bunny, ended up as a great trade. Skinks are really easy, or relatively easy to take off the pitch. He recognized that. This skink was also a threat to score. This was a great trade, and this was a great decision no matter how it would turn out. The trade would result in a smashed ankle that's minus one MA. On turn six, a reptile dysfunction would start the turn off with a double GFI blitz. He'd fail both GFIs, resulting in a wasted turn. A minor matter would finish out turn six, moving the ball to their own six-yard line. They'd foul with the loony again against a skink. Only got a stun, but again, really good call by Artificial Bunny to hunt these skinks. This is how you can shut down a Lizardman team. The skinks are the only players that can reasonably handle the ball. On turn seven, a reptile dysfunction would have a decision to make. They would either need to scramble to get back in front of the ball or apply pressure to the ball. They chose the latter, and on a minor matter's turn, they'd get a two-die blitz against the Crocs, who was marking the ball carrier. They'd take the blitz with Glart, and they'd get an injury. Well done. They'd run the ball downfield to a Skaven. Good coaching to ensure the handoff is Skaven to Skaven. Remember, on an underworld team, Skaven and Goblins don't get along. There's animosity there. So you want to make sure that when you're passing or handing off, you're doing it Skaven to Skaven. This would allow a minor matter to run the ball all the way down to a Reptile Dysfunction's 22-yard line. The Looney tried to foul, failed, and chainsaw himself to finish up this half. On turn eight, a Reptile Dysfunction would take a two-die uphill blitz with Skink. Spent the TRR, only got the push. A minor matter would take a GFI blitz to free the ball, the ball carrier. Could have blitzed with the ball carrier. This is the second game this week where we saw this happen, but it ended up working out 1-0. Minor matter would take the lead at the half. To start the second half, a minor matter would be on offense. They would have a four-man player advantage as well. Just two skinks left for a reptile dysfunction, and the Crocs would be unavailable. On turn nine, first turn of the half, a minor matter would make the interesting choice to foul at the line. He'd get called off. A reptile dysfunction would answer with a blitz on Glart and get a KO. That's a four-man player advantage that was re reduced to a two-man player advantage in one turn. And not only that, one of the players was that star player, Glart. On turn 11, a minor matter decided not to cage up the ball carrier. They shifted to the left wide zone, but had no one to pass to. A reptile dysfunction would answer by causing an injury. A smashed jaw on a blitz. Ended up blitzing the ball carrier. Failed the GFI. This allowed a minor matter to run freely to a Reptile Dysfunction's six-yard line. By turn 12, a Reptile Dysfunction will have spent all of their TRRs, and a Minor Matter would have all three left. Nick Satan, the coach of a Reptile Dysfunction, would try his best to get some defense on the ball, but he just couldn't get enough players over to defend. On turn 13, a Minor Matter runs to the 18-yard line, but then GFI'd twice and failed the second GFI. Had to spend a TRR. A Reptile Dysfunction would try two marks on the ball carrier to stop the free run after the inevitable blitz with the first mark. Failed the sec second GFI. Again, didn't have any TRRs left. A Minor Matter thought about stalling after the successful blitz in encounter to this. Quickly corrected, ended up scoring, and would increase his lead 2-0. to zero. On turn 14, the final drive of the game, Reptile Dysfunction would complete a plus-five handoff to an MA7 Saurus. He'd run the Saurus 
Down pitch to a minor matter, 16-yard line, all by his lonesome. But what else could he do? He wants to try to get on the board here, earn some SPP on a touchdown. A minor matter would end up with a two-die blitz by Glart, who was back onto the pitch to knock out the ball carrier. And a minor matter would take this one 2-0. to zero. Game three of the week would be Genus Chaos at Tainted Cocktails. This is Chaos versus Chaos War Horseman versus Malik. Now, because these are two low TV Chaos teams, they really have to be careful about getting those SPP. They really want to score those SPP and start leveling up these players to start getting those kill players. Tainted Cocktails would find themselves on offense in the first half on turn one. Tainted Cocktails would cage up on the two yard line. They'd set up the cage marked, however. Interesting choice here by Malik. When you set up marked, you're giving your opponent a block. Blocks always have to be taken against another player. Or rather, if you want to block, you can't move. The only way you can do that is with a blitz and you can only blitz once a turn. So he set up the cage marked and this may be, may have been a gambit by Malik. He might've said, you know what? I know War Horseman. I know Genus Chaos. I think I can get him to burn one of his two TRRs or at least potentially get him to burn one of these, his two TRRs by taking this blitz. And that's exactly what happened. Genius Chaos took said block, ended up with double skulls, had to spend the TRR. They're down to one TRR for the entire half. They would blitz as their next action, and they would fail that and lose the turn altogether. However, Nuffle is fickle, and on turn two, Tainted Cocktails would roll four skulls to start the turn, and that would be a turnover. Entirely wasted turn for Tainted Cocktails. Genus Chaos would be up next at the end of turn two here. They would make an execution error. They tried to pick up the ball, but they picked it up with a journeyman. They had to pick up a journeyman because they were down players. A journeyman comes with the loner skill. Loner means if you want to spend a re-roll, uh, re you have to roll a d6 first. On a four plus, you're allowed to take the re-roll. On a three or less, you're not allowed to take the re-roll and you have to spend the TRR anyway. It was a 50-50 pickup. He failed the pickup, had the good presence of mind to not spend the TRR, and the ball would scatter, thankfully, to a friendly beastman. Malik was given a whole lot of blocks going into turn three, and he took them all. Very good coaching. Malik realizes the, the value of being given blocks. He took them, pushed players out of the way, trying to get a player advantage. He tried to pick up with a blitzer. It was a failed 50-50 pickup. Didn't spend the TRR. He would still keep both of his TRRs to one remaining for Genus Chaos. This was a really good turn for Malik to recognize the value of the blo those blocks and to take those instead of worrying about the ball. Ended up deciding to go for the ball at the very end of the turn. Good, good call by Malik. Genus Chaos on their turn up here in turn three would remain really aggressive. And we've seen this in War Horseman's play style. He is very, very aggressive on the pitch, but he was behind the ball at this stage. I think he should have focused on resetting the defense you can't afford to be aggressive when you're in danger of being left behind in the dust of the offensive cage. On turn four, final turn of the first quarter, Malik would blitz with his tainted cocktails, Chaos Warrior. The ball, he would blitz the ball carrier. The ball would scatter into the hands of said Chaos Warrior. This is a strength four player. This is a great ball carrier to have. He would continue to take the blocks that he was handed and he was really focusing on getting those SPP for his team. Really good strategy here by Malik. He knows he needs to pick up Mighty Blow, piling on, and claws on a player, probably a couple of players, and he took advantage of the situation to try to start racking up these SPP. 
after jockeying for a little bit on the right side of the pitch, Tainted Cocktails would move the cage to center pitch at the Genus Chaos 10-yard line. By turn six, Genus Chaos would be in trouble. Their defense would be broken. War Horseman decides to take a YOLO plus six dodge plus GFI with a Chaos Warrior. Would you believe it? He spends the TRR on the GFI, made the dodge. It's a one-die block to the ball carrier in the cage. Gets a pow on that block, follows up, and the ball scatters into the blitzer's hand. This was super exciting to see. Unfortunately, it's too little too late. Tainted Cocktails could easily recover the ball. Genus Chaos would try one last desperate GFI blitz. They would roll a skull with no TRR left. On turn eight, Tainted Cocktails would choose to pass for the SPP instead of the handoff. That's that's really risky because if you want to score, you're just chucking more dice to do it. Uh, and the, the run into the end zone required a GFI, so you're rolling even more dice. But he decided he wanted that SPP. That's what we were talking about earlier in this half. It worked out here. Well done to Malik. He would go up 1-0 at the half. In the second half, Genus Chaos would be on offense. They set up their Minotaur, their big guy, as a fullback. A Chaos Minotaur has Frenzy. They want to be your blitzer. They can get that Frenzy follow-up. They can do a lot of damage. They can get field control. They can surf. They're very strong. But he decided he wanted the maneuverability of the Minotaur. This meant that either he wanted that Minotaur on the cage, which would be a little risky because he's a wild animal as well. That means he needs to be blocking or blitzing or else he risks not moving. Or, more likely, wanted that Minotaur free to take a key blitz rather than blitzing a lineman. Still, I think this was a little bit of an odd decision considering all of the strength four on the defensive line, all those Chaos Warriors on the defensive line, but he wanted that Minotaur free, and that's a coach's prerogative. That's, that's how you can win Blood Bowl games, when you counterplay your opponent. On the first turn of the half, Genus Chaos would move the ball to their own six-yard line. The ball carrier was not very well protected here. He also moved a lot of players base to base, again, being really aggressive here, but there was no reason for it here. He was giving Tainted Cocktails more blocks to take on his turn. On turn nine, however, Tainted Cocktails would roll double skulls on their first block of the turn. Tainted Cocktails, Malik decided not to re-roll it. He must have thought his formation was already in good shape versus Genus Chaos, and to be honest, it was. On turn 10, Genus Chaos would blitz with the Minotaur, but he would blitz him up to the line, thus negating that Minotaur's kickoff return positioning. It was a little bit of an odd decision. I'm not quite sure what that was about. He must have thought that was the best block he could take. He ended up and then tried to dodge out a marked Chaos Warrior. It was a 50-50 dodge, failed the dodge that would result in a turnover. Into Cocktails would respond by maneuvering to apply pressure, gets a good trade on a both down result against the Minotaur, the Minotaur would end up stunned. On turn 11, Genus Chaos didn't spend a TRR on a failed block and that left that undefended ball carrier available to get marked by four Tainted Cocktails players. You really have to be careful about leaving your ball carrier exposed in Blood Bowl. If it's exposed, then you have to be sure that he will not get blocked down. Otherwise, a standard cage is almost always a safe bet unless you have field control and you know nobody's going to be able to get through your offensive line. On turn 12, with so many marks, Genus Chaos feels the pressure. They move a Chaos Warrior down pitch to receive. He was going to be the receiver for a pass, but he was three spaces away before he moved. In order to make this pass, 
What he should have done instead was pass to the receiver first. That would have made the pass roll more likely to succeed. That would have been a quick pass, in fact. Instead, it ended up as a long pass. That's a six plus to succeed. Failed on the TRR. Both teams would skirmish around the ball for a little bit. Genus Chaos will get one last attempt here to try to score desperately. Takes a six plus pickup to a six plus long bomb and it would get intercepted. You know what an interception succeeds on? Six plus. Tainted Cocktails would then be able to move the ball to Genus Chaos's 16 yard line. On turn 16, Genus Chaos would take a dodge blitz with a journeyman uphill and get a both down on the ball carrier. What is happening <laughs> in this game? <laughs> Tainted Cocktails, however, <laughs> would be able to walk the ball in. The final score would be two to zero. Tainted Cocktails would earn a very respectable 14 SPP. That is great for a chaos strategy and a great game for Malik here in week two. Final game of the week would be Take the Wood, Take the Bat at Pips Pippy Fan Club. A of a Unit 2 versus El New Barino. Wood Elves versus Lizards. Take the Wood, Take the Bad would win the coin toss and they would set up on offense. Wood Elves or Elves in general. In fact, low AV teams in general will often set up on defense if they win the coin toss. That way they can ensure they have a full 11-man roster on defense. Pretty standard Wood Elf defense here by Take the Wood, Take the Bad. Two deep defense. PPFC would match that with a five-man offensive line. Take the Wood, Take the Bad would win the kickoff event with cheering fans. That would give them a massive four TRRs versus the three that PPFC would come into this game with. Take the Wood, Take the Bad being down on TV ended up picking up a wizard in the inducement phase as well. On turn one, PPFC would block down the line as you do. He would fail to pick up the ball with a skink that had the sure hand skill however the ball would scatter to the right sideline at the ppfc 10 yard line this gave take the wood take the bad an opportunity to go aggressive here on defense they take a two die dauntless block with one of their war dancers take the wood take the bad has two war dancers everybody else is a lineman one of these war dancers has the dauntless skill this means you roll a die you add to your strength if it's greater than your opponent's strength then you match strength that means one assist gets you a two die block Take the wood, take the bad, would be able to shift that uh, that Saurus away from the right wide zone, and therefore they would shift their defense to the right and encroach on PPFC territory with five players two spaces away from the ball. On turn two, PPFC would be left with only a blitz to take no blocks. Again, you will see this with fragile teams a lot. They don't want to give up blocks. They don't want to end base to base. They don't want to mark, so they'll dodge away. They'll force the opponent to just take a blitz, especially when you're up against a really strong team like Lizardmen. EPFC would blitz the forwardmost lineman with the wrestle skill, gets a push. That lineman, that Wood Elf lineman with wrestle means on a both down result, the Wood Elf player, the Wood Elf coach rather, can elect to both go down, do no armor rolls, and not result in a turnover. This is really good, again, with fragile teams who just want to stay alive and want to prevent blocks. A prone player, if they want to block, they can't. They have to blitz. PPFC would end up picking up the ball and moving the ball carrier to center pitch. Take the wood, take the bad wood, answer with a knockdown on their turn. They would shift the defense back to center, and a war dancer, one of the two, would apply pressure to the rear of the cage. On turn three, PPFC would push away the rear war dancer with a blitz, would move the crocs 
over into the right wide zone to screen out the defense. Really good play by El Nuberino here. He'd be able to set up that cage and take the wood, take the bad's 10-yard line. Take the wood, take the bad. Saw an opportunity to leap blitz the ball carrier. War dancers are very, very good at cage busting. They can leap, which means they can jump two spaces. They don't have to worry about, about opposing tackle zones. And then they can take a block. So you just mark two players on the side of the cage. You leap them in. You take the block. However, every unit two would make an execution error here and forgot to declare the blitz first. If you're going to blitz, you have to declare that before you do any movement. Moved with the war dancer, couldn't blitz, and that meant that they couldn't go after the cage break. PPFC would capitalize by opening up a hole and scoring on turn four. One to zero, PPFC would take the lead in this game. Second drive of this game would start on take the wood, take the bads, turn four. They would get another TRR on the kickoff, bringing their team rerolls up to a whopping five. That's one for every remaining turn of the first half. They would set up a three-man offensive line. They would shift it to the right to get a two-die block on the outermost defensive tackle, which was a Saurus. The Saurus has a strength of four. They would get the two-die block thanks to the inside lineman who has the guard skill. Guard means that even if you're in an opposing tackle zone, you can still lend an assist. They would take that block, they'd get a push, and they'd cage up on their own eight-yard line. The would take the bad would do their typical offense of sending two contingents of two players down either wide zone to threaten the passing game, which is very strong on a Wood Elf team. Back to PPFC again, no blocks to take. They end up blitzing the lineman in the left wide zone and follow up to mark the left war dancer. Pretty good call here by El Nuberino. They would foul the down player. They'd get a stun. I think this is good work by PPFC to try to stop this passing game. He says, I'm going to get the knockdown. I'll mark the war dancer. Sure, he can dodge away. Sure, he could leap. But I'm going to foul as well. And if I can just take a player off the pitch, I'm in that much of a better position. And you permanently lost one of your two players in this reception contingent. Very good call by El Nuberino. On turn five, take the wood, take the bad. We'll take a two-die dauntless blitz with a guard player assisting to open a hole down the left side of the pitch on the left side of the line. Would we'll run a war dancer and a lineman through that hole. It's That's that contingent. That's that that reception contingent intact. Both of those players, by the way, are eligible receivers. They are so strong with that AG of four, you have to defend against both. The war dancer on the right side of the pitch would leap and dodge away down to PPFC's 18 yard line. Having so many receivers down pitch that you have to defend means that PPFC has to pull that many more players off the line. And this means that the the running game is that much stronger for Take the Wood, Take the Bat. On turn six, PPFC would blitz the left war dancer into two more chain blocks. Really good call. You'll see good coaches do this all the time. They will set up chain blocks. In other words, if the block results in a push, which is likely to on a war dancer, they will push them into another block, push them into another block. This ended up resulting in a dodge push, but really good tactics here by El Nuberino. On a follow-up turn, said War Dancer would leap out of harm's way and down pitch to the 22-yard line. The cage would cross the line of scrimmage into PBFC's six-yard line. A wrestle blitz would result in a wrestle next to the cage that would knock down the Saurus that would otherwise have marked the cage. Good call by Evgeny 2 here to keep that cage secure. The remaining War Dancer would also leap out of harm's way and move down the pitch as well.
on turn seven, PPFC would have two blocks to take, and of course their blitz. They would blitz the right war dancer from the end zone. This again is a great tactical call by El Nuberino. The war dancer was ahead of the blitzer. The blitzer decided to move around the war dancer to get in front of him and blitz him away. That way, no matter what happens, at least he has a player in front of the war dancer. He'd end up knocking down the war dancer and the war dancer would crucially be stunned. Really good blitz. Turn seven back to take the wood, take the bad. Amy two again would make another execution blunder here. They would move an assist in to get a block next to the cage. They wanted to free up some space to move the ball carrier out, but that assist moved into the space that the ball carrier would have to move to. Take the wood, take the bad, recognized this, decided to dodge away to free up that space, got snake eyes on the dodge, and that would be a wasted turn for take the wood, take the bad. On turn eight, PPFC would get a chain block on the remaining war dancer. He'd get a defender stumbles result that would have resulted in pushing the war dancer into the end zone that would threaten the surf. So take the wood, take the bad. Had to elect to not use the dodge skill. Had to get knocked down. Didn't break armor. PPFC would then foul that war dancer to try to take him off the pitch. Didn't break armor again. Again, excellent tactics here by El Nuberino. Went for that chain push. Every unit two had to take the, the down result, the defender stumbles result. And then PPFC said, you know what? Fine, I'm going to foul you. Really good play here. Really smart play by El Nuberino. On turn eight, the rightmost war dancer would stand back up, dodge into the end zone. A one die wrestle blitz on the left side of the cage would be a wrestle result again. And this time would free up the ball, like take the wood, take the bad. Wanted to do one turn earlier. It would end up being a short pass to a reception. Two plus pass, two plus catch. One, one would be the score at the end of the first half. Start of the second half, Take the Wood, Take the Bad would be on offense, and they would still have 11 players on the pitch. It would be all tied up 11 v 11. Take the Wood, Take the Bad would use the exact same tactics as they did in the last drive. However, this time, Take the Wood, Take the Bad would blitz with a war dancer in the right wide zone, get a both standing result, and leave that war dancer standing right next to the Saurus he tried to take down, only two spaces away from the sideline. PPFC would capitalize on this. They'd roll a two-die block against the War Dancer. They'd get a pow and a push. They decided to take the push result instead of the pow. The pow, of course, knocks down a player on a block roll. That's that's a quote-unquote success. But he had good presence of mind to say, no, I want to push you up against the sideline and set up for the surf. And he did just that and got the surf. Excellent play by El Nuberino. PPFC would finish turn nine with a KO on the wood guardsman, the, the lineman with the guard skill. Two-man player advantage here with the surf and that KO. Really good turn for PPFC. On turn 10, take the wood, take the bat, would move the ball carrier to the left wide zone. They commit to a long pass downfield to a war dancer. That's just a three-plus pass to a two-plus reception with that AG of four. That would result in a touchdown, bringing the score to two to one, take the wood, take the bad, would take the lead. Just a two-turn touchdown. Take the wood, take the bad, would set up on defense. They'd get their knocked out player back. They'd be down one player. So one-man player advantage for PPFC. They would set up with the same two-deep defense. They would leave the right side weak due to the lost player. The kickoff event would be a riot. Both teams would lose a turn. This hurts PPFC more than it hurts take the wood, take the bad. You saw in the last drive that they got a two-turn TD. They're very fast. They can score very quickly. 
and their passing game is very threatening. So this really hurts PPFC more than it hurts take the wood, take the bad. Turn 11 back to PPFC. They would take a foul on the line and get a KO, but they'd also get called off. That increases the player advantage for PPFC to three. And on turn 12, they would try to secure a corridor on the right wide zone again. They would get a KO on the left side of the pitch and that would increase their player advantage to four. He positions to mark the Wood Elves as he should. We talked about in an earlier game how marks didn't help some of the other coaches. In this matchup, you do want to take those marks. You have those Saruses with the strength of four, the Wood Elves with the strength of three, and that really brittle AV of seven. You want to go in for that mark, those marks because you know, unless they get the assist, the Wood Elves are not going to block you back. They're going to roll a die to dodge. And the more dice you make your opponent roll, the more chances they have to fail. Turn 13 would be the turn that take the wood, take the bad, decides to move a lineman down pitch as a receiver. That will be the guy to score if they can get this ball back. This time they wouldn't screw up the leap blitz with the war dancer. They do get a one die blitz on the ball carrier. They'll only get a push. They push the ball carrier onto the right sideline. Ball carrier, of course, was a skink. The war dancer, however, puts himself in a position to be surfed, and indeed, PPFC would surf that war dancer. One war dancer would be left on the pitch for the drive. The boy take the bad was able to keep their defense relatively intact. PPFC would end the turn trying to score a TD with four dodges and two GFIs. That's with the skink. Remember, the skink is stunty and has dodge. He doesn't care about enemy tackle zones when he's dodging, and he gets a free reroll on one of those dodges. Unfortunately, he failed the second dodge. The ball would scatter next to Asaris. At this time, turn 14, take the wood, take the bad, would use the opportunity to use the wizard hidden in the stands to cast a lightning bolt on that Saris. Lightning bolt knocks down one player on all but a one on a D6 roll. The Saris got knocked down. That allowed the AG5 lineman to pick up the ball and pass the ball down pitch. AG5 unmarked. Long bomb pass, that's a 50-50 pass, but take the wood, take the bad, has a TRR to make that a 75%, and then of course the reception is a two plus, it's an 83% on the reception. The pass would work out, take the wood, take the bad would be free and clear to score. They would end up scoring on turn 15. Three to one would be the score. There would be just two turns left for PPFC to score another TD. This time, they would start the drive with a three-man player advantage. Take the wood, take the bad, would get a blitz result on the kickoff event table, and now they had a decision to make. They elected to set up... Blitz means you get a free action if with anyone who's not marked. So they decided to set up on the very slim chance that they could score another TD. They wanted the, the SPP on that TD. They felt it was worth it as opposed to giving up a TD to Pip's Pippy Fan Club. They set up for the opportunity. They ended up with a three-man contingent down pitch. Two skinks were at the line to try to score. Take the wood, take the bad. Had to blitz one of them, so they blitzed the far side skink, knocked him down. That left the near side skink left. The only thing PPFC could do is to try to pass or hand off, and take the wood, take the bad was just hoping that that roll would fail. It did fail on the quick pass, but PPFC would have a TRR to end up making it work. PPFC would end up scoring, but it wouldn't be enough. Take the wood, take the bad, would win this game 3-2. to two. So that would be week two.
every team would be in pretty good position going into the week three. Tracksuit Mafia would be comfortable in first place. 2-0-0 their record. Everybody else still, it's only the second week in the competition. Plenty of games left before the top four cut. But everyone is still in it, and everyone had a really good game. It was really exciting to see uh, Merrick take on Clypheus. Merrick, last year's Chaos Cup champion. Clypheus, this year's Chaos Cup champion. Merrick pulled out the victory in their matchup in this week. It was very exciting to see a minor matter go up against a reptile dysfunction. A reptile dysfunction coached by Nick Satan, the current league champion, versus Artificial Bunny, who has this really difficult underworld team trying to level them up, trying to get those skills, ended up defeating the Reptile Dysfunction and Nick Satan. Super fun to watch. We had a Chaos versus Chaos matchup. We had a Lizardman versus Wood Elves matchup as well. All really fun. I can't wait to see what week three holds, and I hope you guys will stick around for the rest of the competition and join in the fun with us. That'll do it for this episode. You can watch the Mid-Atlantic Mauling League on Twitch at twitch.tv slash aviunit02. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T, the letter O, the number 2. And watch archived games on YouTube at Blood Bowl M-A-M-L. You can also follow us on Twitter at Blood Bowl underscore Mammal or on Facebook at Blood Bowl Mammal. Play Blood Bowl. You can play Blood Bowl online via Blood Bowl 2 or in tabletop form via your friendly local game store. Be kind to each other, forgive everyone, praise Nuffle, and may he bless your dice.